just asking you, and how would you respond? Only one that really knows that is you and God. We can see your love for the Lord by how you act and your faithfulness and obedience. We see that in everyone, but lovest thou me more than these? Just the three verses I want to start with and pray. 21.15, So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? We have to sort of remember Peter, think of Peter's mind going back to an earlier time. Peter was grieved a couple weeks earlier, or at least a week earlier. Peter was grieved because he said unto him, the third time lovest thou me. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, guide and direct my words and thoughts. I readily admit I am nothing. Forgive me of sin, empty me of self, and please fill me with your spirit today. May we all pause from our very busy schedules the next 30 minutes or so and ask ourselves this question, do we really love him as we should? Help me today, please, be with those teaching downstairs. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One man said that since the denials were public knowledge, Peter has denied Christ three times, we know that, before the crucifixion, that there has to be then a public restoration The other disciples needed to hear Peter's affirmation that he truly loved God and that then they would be willing to follow his leadership. In a more personal viewpoint, I like what Montgomery Boyce says. He says, if each of these, if each of us knew how sinful we really are, we would not be so shocked or subdued by our failures. But most of us do not know the depths of our own depravity. So we're shocked, particularly by a fall into serious moral sin or by surprising ability to deny Christ. When we sin in such ways, it's the tactic of the devil to argue that having sinned, we have forfeited all chances for a successful and happy Christian life and that we might as well go on sinning. Like most of the devil's statements, that's untrue. He says, though we sin, we have nevertheless not forfeited our chances for a full Christian life nor dare we to go on sinning. Instead, the Christian way is that of repentance and restoration, and that is the point of the story here for Peter. He has done wrong. He has denied Christ thrice with the with with oaths, curses, we might say. Curse upon me, but I'm not telling the truth. Now he's going to be restored. By the way, there is restoration for you and I. God allows U-turns. Now, there are sometimes, especially in the ministry, I think pastors do moral failures. That does preclude them, I think, from ever serving again. And as a pastor, as my personal opinion, there are moral failures. It does not mean God cannot use someone who has committed that. But there are some things I think are out of bounds going forward. That's my personal opinion. But I can tell you, God does allow U-turns. Uh, Peter's failure was one of denying Christ. And yet... And yet, was he not the one that preached perhaps the most singular, important message in all of church history on the day of Pentecost? Was that not the same Peter who denied Christ thrice? It was. For a moment, let's look back. We see three things about Peter. First of all, Peter's failure. 
Let's go back to Matthew 26 for just a moment. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but we need to set the stage for these verses here in John 21. Peter's failure. Matthew 26, please. If you want, forgot your Bible. There's a pew Bible in the pew in front of you if you want to grab one of those and follow along. It really helps you to see it with your eyes as well as hear it. So auditory and visual learning is much enhanced when both are combined together. Matthew 26 69, now Peter sat without the palace, and the damsels came unto him, saying, Thou wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, Them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. Now remember, Jesus is going to be crucified shortly. And again, he denied with an oath, Peter does, and I do not know the man. After a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also was one of them, for thy speech bereath thee, betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. There was the place of it. He was in the wrong place. Now we'll have to say, when the, when the disciples left Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter did follow, but in 58 of the chapter, he followed afar off. He was not following as he should have done. The pain of it, he is absolutely miserable. Hey, are you not miserable, child of God, when you allow sin into your life and you won't confess it? Yes, we are. And if you're not miserable, check your birth certificate because if you're truly born again, you cannot sin and live high, wide, and handsome without the guilt of God upon your life crushing your spirit. The pain, and there's the price. It's that separate. Now, we don't, we, I personally believe, and I believe the Bible teaches that once you're truly a child of God, you're His child. But that fellowship, I'm telling you, when you allow sin, that fellowship gets broken until you confess your sin. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I'm telling you, child of God, you have sin in your life, you're going to be miserable. Unless you've hardened your heart so hard you don't think about it anymore. If you're saved, you're going to lose so much. When you walk contrary to God's will and way, you're going to lose the, the joy. Of, there's joy in serving Jesus. And there's misery, Christian, when you don't obey Him. It's interesting. Most church committees would probably not have, at this point in time, wanted Peter to come and candidate for their church. But it's interesting, Pastor, this Pastor Duncan says, he says this, but he pointed out that Pentecost, Peter preaches and delivered perhaps again the singular most vital sermon in church history. He says, quoting, it would seem that some Christians have a message of forgiveness for the unbeliever, but no message of forgiveness for the believer. I'm glad that God doesn't do that way. So Peter's failure, it cost him the place to pay the price. Second is Peter's friend. Starting in 15, back over to our text, John 21, 15. I don't care how spiritual we think we have arrived. We all have to go through this. I asked myself, do this morning, this past week, do I love Jesus as I ought? And I would have to say no. Pastor, what do you ask yourself? Do you really love Jesus singularly as you should? Is he is he first in every part of your life? Are there things in your life that you need to lay aside to spend more time with him? Just asking. My Jesus, I love thee, the songwriter said. My dad's favorite song. Lovest thou me more than you put in there? Whatever you want to put for these, put it in there. Your job, your spouse, your, your games, your habits, your, your, your sin, your, your whatever you want to put in there, the things you've got to do, the, the iPhone. Could you live without your phone? 
We've done it before. We've done it before. Just until the last 15 years, we had them. So I lived for four, some, you know, I lived for 30 years. Okay, well, more than 30 years without a phone. So there we go. Peter's friend. Breakfast is over. Look at our text. And when they had dined, evidently no one said a word. It doesn't say there. No one's talking, and they're probably overwhelmed by Christ being with them. Interestingly enough, Peter denies him thrice. There's going to be three questions, three responses, and three commands. This all fits right together. Little little summary point. Jesus Christ specifically restores Peter by questioning his love and by commanding his responsibilities. He denied him thrice. And so the other disciples, by the way, before we throw Peter too far under the bus, all the other disciples had said the same thing. Oh, I will not deny you. we'll, We'll die for you. Every single one of them had said that. But now they were not close enough to deny the Lord, but Peter had been that. Like J.C. Ryle, the 19th century uh, Anglican pastor, said, I cannot for a moment doubt that our Lord asked Peter this remarkable question three times in order to remind him that he had denied him thrice. The very grief which Peter felt at being thrice asked about his love was intended to do him good. I'm not trying to hurt you this morning. I'm trying to get you to, to think down deep in your heart. To be a thinking Christian. We have too many inch deep, shallow Christians. I want you to be a thinking Christian. So when the next pastor comes, you you are grounded in the Word of God. You know what the Bible says. And so you, you can encourage him and you can learn and grow. So you know a false teacher when you see one. Three exchanges. Exchange number one, there are three questions. 2115, Simon, son of Jonas Lovest thou me more than these? J. Vernon McGee says this, Jesus must have looked across the dying embers of that fire upon which he had prepared their breakfast and straightened to the eyes of Simon Peter as he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Wow. Talk about... Um, um, uh, mm, uh, uh, what do you say? When God, a very God, asked you such a question. Now, think back just a moment. Like one pastor says, he says... Just a little bit of a reminder of the boastful comments. Can we think? Maybe in Peter's mind, Peter was thinking, I see James falling away. I see maybe John falling away. Thomas for sure. But not me, Lord. I'll trust you all the way. I'll die for you if I have to. I'll never deny you. Beware of spiritual self-confidence, overconfidence, self-righteousness. Believing you're spiritually stronger than you are, more devoted than you are. Because perhaps you've been on a mission trip. Or perhaps you've gone door-to-door in evangelism, which, by the way, those are good things to do, but because you maybe you're on a TV set or you drive a Chevy Savette or a Ford Pinto and you think because you have, you've, and you just, you've stifled yourself so much that because of your, your just doing this, driving the small things, and I'm trying to look for I can't think of it, but you're being so, you know, doing this, not overbearing and overconfident, and you say, because I'm doing these things, I am spiritual. I'm not driving the pastor's Yukon. I'm, I'm driving a Ford Pinto. Just look at me. Look how spiritual I am. I mean, I carry my Bible. It's, it's five times bigger than pastors. And I, put them, and I carry my Bible. My wife walks 50 feet behind me. But I'm, I'm going forward. Just watch how spiritual I am. Watch me. We had people like that in Bible college. We called them Billy Bibles. And they would walk. And they would have, and they'd be walking. And 10 feet later comes their wife and kids. Come on, honey. Pick up. That's not spiritual. By the way, the things you're doing are probably not spiritual. It's your heart. 
If you love me, keep my commandments. Simon, son of Jonas. Peter's reminding all... Simon, Simon. The old fallen humanity in Simon. And by repeating this to Peter, he's implying that that he may live life subject to that old nature if he's not careful, Simon. The word love. Love is not me. The agape love. The self-sacrificing love. It's so important that you understand that's the love he's talking about in this first question. Do you love me more than these? No, what are the these? It could be the fishing paraphernalia there. And that would be tempting for me if I had a, a brand new bass boat and a truck to pull it around, etc. Do you love me more than these? We should not even be questioning that. No, I don't. For Simon, the fishing, do you love it more than the fishing lifestyle? Simon, lovest thou me more than these? Because you just now jumped into the water and swam to the, swam to the shore, you've actually walked on water. Peter, do you, do you think that your love is better than the other ten disciples here? Or do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than you love the other disciples? I like the way it's left here. Because for 2023, I can ask you the same question. Lovest thou me? He asked us today more than these. More than what? You pick. Pastor, I don't know know what sins I have in my life. You just seriously ask God. I can almost promise you get business. Read your Bible. Lord, please show me what I'm doing wrong. Got your pen ready? Typewriter? No, not typewriter. Computer? Laptop? He'll show you. I really believe that. You love me more than these, Peter. Just a couple of weeks before he asked this question, he'd been in the upper room. Peter says, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended, Matthew 26. And if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise, Mark 14. So Christ's question to Peter is whether or not he still maintains his statement that he loves him first place. Lovest thou me? Do you have agape sacrificing love for me as you said you did? Question two, verse 16. Simon said to Jonas, lovest thou me? Again, the agape love. Do you love me more than anything? It's the highest kind of love. Do you have the highest kind of love? I've been thinking this week. Bearing my soul here to you. I love my wife. I I love people, but I don't have the ooey-gooey, squishy type love. I don't don't have that. Maybe I should work on that. Uh... Maybe you have it. If you don't have it, maybe you do have the ooey-gooey, squishy type love. But I, I, I want to show my love to you and to by how I help you and how I pray for you and how I help you, what I can do for you. But, the, you know, I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a hankering to go throw my arms around everybody here and say, oh, I love you, man. I don't have that. But I love you. I prayed this morning. <laughs> Help me to love every person that walks through the door of the church today. I prayed that already today. And you love them through me. And you may, may probably, you need to pray maybe, help me to love the pastor. Lord, please love, please love him through me because I can't do it on my own. And maybe we are both thinking that same thing to each other. We're all human. We're all, we're all struggle. I struggle. You struggle. Most likely. If you're willing to admit it. We have to trust God every day. Every morning, Sunday morning, I'm here at church. Lord, I cannot do this myself. I pray that every single Sunday morning. Please help me today. Tonight, I'll pray during the offertory. Help me today not say anything that is, is wrong today. It's a personal question. Peter, do you love me? That's a question that needs to be answered by all of us. 
It's very possible to be religious, involved in all kinds of religious activities, and not love the Savior. Very possible. You can sing, pray, give, teach, work, witness, but never answer the question, do you love Christ? That is the question, and I'm telling you, if you love me, keep God's commandments. I think that's the bottom line. If we really love him, we're going to show it as well. You can tell me, you can come up and say, you know, Pastor, I tell you what, I am the greatest fisherman you have ever seen in your life. I'm going to say, let's go to the river on Monday morning, and I want to see you catch fish. Because if you're the greatest, I want to see something. And then we fish for a whole year, and you don't catch a fish. I'm thinking, perhaps you've just oversold yourself. I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. Do you really? Lovest thou me more than these? Third question, Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, verse 17. Jonas, lovest thou me? Now here you use the phileo word, the friendship love, like for Jonathan, for David, Jesus, for Peter sometimes. An emotional, basic emotional. Cannot be commanded, but it can be developed in relationships. This love, that kind of love. Phileo is based on the qualities of another person that you find admirable or attractive. The fellowship type love manifested in a living, growing relationship between two friends. This is, is no possible way that Peter could have dodged the fact that he's just died to the Lord thrice. He's asking him three times by virtue of the repetitious questioning. And it's a question we need to come back to time and time again. Do we love Jesus? Do we love him more above all things? I am to love God more than I love my wife. That's Bible. I am to love God first. And I would just say if I love God first, I will love her more than I could ever love her by not having him first. It, this falls out. If you put God first, everything else falls right into place. If you put Him first, truly your love for your spouse is stronger for your children, for your pastor, for your friends, for your co-workers, your people at, at church. Put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. It's, we struggle with that. We struggle with putting God first. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. Exchange number two, then, is the answers. Back over in 21.15. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. By the way, isn't that wonderful? Yea, Lord, thou. Every one of his answers, Christ who specifically identified as Lord three times. Two things. Now, first of all, he doesn't say, Yea, Lord, you know I love you more than these. He doesn't say that. Peter's growing up right here by the fire. More than these. No, nope, didn't say that. No longer comparing himself to, I love you more than James and John and Thomas and Matthew and all these. I love, he doesn't say that at all. By the way, the person you really need to be concerned about as far as loving Jesus is you. Is you. I've become, sometimes I become, I tell my wife on the way to work, wait, it was church this morning, how sometimes I get judged, a little ju- judgmental. We see things out in the world and we say, oh, that just... Someday, I don't want to be in his shoes standing before. And I don't. But we're thinking his shoes are going to be when Adolf Hitler stands before God. (gasps) He's a sinner. When I stand before God, a sinner saved by your grace. Oh, what a difference. He's a terrible, rotten sinner. You you, you can just pile him up here, over here, people who... Turned against God and the, the mass murderers and all the people who killed their own people, Stalin and Lenin and all you put them over here. But they're also a sinner. Now they're going to be judged according to their works, but they're all but I'm a sinner on this side at the, at the great the Bema seat. 
I trusted Christ as Savior. Your sins are under the blood. Before we say they're a dirty, rotten, no good sinner, I'm a dirty, rotten, no good sinner too. Only by God's grace I've heard the gospel and responded to it positively. And if you've not responded positively to the gospel, I can just tell you, you need to do it right now. Before the message is even over. Receive Christ as personal Savior. For if the Lord comes back during this message time and you're not ready, you're staying. You're not going to heaven with the church. You're going to remain behind. It is not a joke. It's not something that will never happen. It's not some pipe dream of independent Baptist pastors. It's the Word of God. He's coming back for His church in the twinkling of an eye. And He's going to come back perhaps today. It's imminent at any moment. And if you're not ready, I believe that then that your opportunity is gone by the way, by the wayside to receive him. But Pastor, the Bible says there's a lot of people saved in tribulation. Yes, but I believe that's those who have not heard the gospel clearly the first time. I believe others will believe the strong delusion sent by Satan. And by the way, we find then secondly, uh, he changes the verb in the way he responds. Keep in mind that Christ has, has asked this agape love. And Peter says, Lord, you know, I phileo, I have that brotherly love for you. Peter never says, Lord, I've got the agape love down now. He never says that. Not one time in these three, three verses. Integrity. Yes, Lord. You know I do love you as my dear friend. Answer number two, verse 16. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Construction's the same. The word know is one that means that the Lord has a mental awareness and information about his love. Edo, Lord, you know. Third answer, verse 17. Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Now, Peter's greed, that word means greatly emotionally pained and distressed. The passive tense of the verb indicates that God was the one who was causing his heavy grief to be on Peter. The third question really like, boom. Do you love me more? Why three times? Why are you asking me these three? Oh. Oh, yes, there were three times I denied you. His heart is grieved. Don't you think it's, the, in, in the Bible, when, when instead of saying great, greater, greatest, they say once, twice, and th- holy, holy, holy. So that third time, there's only one attribute of God in all of the Old Testament used three times like that. It's holy, holy, holy. So when he says this third time, do you love me? It's like the third time. That's like the ultimate, do you love me? It's grieved. When you sin next time, think of how we're grieving the Holy Spirit. The things I watch, the things you watch. You've gotten so casually watching things on TikTok and YouTube and Face, all these different things. Can't even remember all the names. Instagram, Instashame. But let's just say, stepping back, if you can't control what you watch, just then take it off your phone. But pastor, we... Yes. It's not me you have to talk to about it. It's him. Love us, thou me. Is that building you spiritually? Pastor, why are you asking questions like that today? Because I'm asking myself questions like that today as well. Does that help you to grow spiritually? Well, now, now, push, now, probably not. Then why are we doing it? What? Lovest thou me? He died for us. He's coming for us. The very breath you're breathing right now, it's from him. 
The fact that you heard the gospel, that's his blessings upon your life. That you've ever heard the gospel one time. 95% of the people in the 1040 window over in Asia never hear the tr- die without ever hearing the true gospel one time. I heard that statistic once. As far as I know, it's accurate. And you heard it. You hear it every Sunday. I'm telling you, Jesus died on the, sit- the cross for you. And the song we just sang earlier on, remember the cross. Let's exalt what Christ did for us and tell others and live for Him. Lovest thou me more than these, Peter, Tim, church. And this, this, we find here that Peter really is greed. Now, he, a couple of differences. First of all, he knows that he oido all things, and therefore he is not about to say the Lord loved. He loved the Lord at the highest possible level. Therefore, he uses the word "know." It means it means the information of all things. Lord, you, Lord, you are God, and you know mentally. Lovest thou me? And the second no, knowest. Yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. That's this different word, gnosko. By this slight change, Peter's saying, you have observed me, Lord, and you have personally experienced the fact that I do love you. This is not just some mental perception. I have been with you and you have experienced my love for you. Lord, you know I love you as a brother. I love you. I'm not saying I have the self-sacrificing agape love, but I'm telling you, Lord, I love you as a brother, as, as, as much as I know. Third exchange, commands. If you're back over to chapter 21, verse 15, he says, Now feed my lambs. Interesting, the 16th century French reformer Calvin said these words, No man will steadily persevere in the discharge of this office, feeding lambs, unless the love of Christ shall reign in his heart. He says, it's One of the reasons why Christ first questions Peter's love before he gives him the assignment to feed the sheep is because nothing is more difficult in all the world and it will take a love for Christ to keep him going. It's much easier not to feed sheep but to entertain them. That has become the mantra of a lot of churches in America and across the world today. We don't want to share the gospel with you necessarily. We don't want to feed you. We want to get you mostly riled up. We'll play music for an hour. And by the time, and I may even include a video this coming Wednesday night about how they get so, this spiritual warfare, and you get in such a state of emotion. And I'm watching that with pity in my eyes as I watch these, these people, and they're putting their hands on them, and they're pushing them over, and the people are, are just all kinds of, I don't know if they're casting, what they're doing with all these things. That's it's not in the Bible. Amen. The Bible is about the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That's what God has, that's what pleases the, the, the Savior when we preach the gospel, the saving power of God. That's what makes the difference. You can get him, if you want to be emotional about something and that get squishy, gushy feelings, that's fine. But you don't have to get squishy, gushy feeling, gushy, whatever those words are, feelings. We can, what does the Bible say? I'm saved by His marvelous grace. So we're not to entertain. I think a lot of ministers have forgotten entertainment. That doesn't mean we're also supposed to be boring and, 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 and like ho-hum. And we should be, the pastor should be fired up about what he preaches. If I'm not fired up, I can just almost guarantee you're not fired up about it. If the pastor's not fired up about it, he doesn't even believe what he preaches or he doesn't care about I'm caring about I'm telling you the love I have this morning is the love do I really love Christ? We, and we often we, we miss a lot of churches have missed the point. Their job is not entertainment. As the, as the, as we're going to find some wandering sheep somewhere to, to wander to hear this loud rock and roll pounding 
foot-tapping music and it draws them into the service and they get so emotionally stirred that because an emotional response of I'm going to do something and I'm going to go downstairs up to the front and shake. That's, he doesn't say that. He says feed, not even find. Just Peter, feed my sheep. I was just thinking this week, as Stephanie said, in the independent Baptist movement for the last 40 or 50 years, we've had thousands and thousands of conversion and very few sticking. If the people that were converted in this, the church in well, the next state over, all were stayed in the church, it would be like hundreds of thousands of people in that church if they all really stuck with it. Now, I'm not saying, we should, I should do more. We should tell people about the cause of Christ. But that's one part. The other aspect when we come to church is that we grow and we encourage one another. You cannot exercise your spiritual gifts at home. There's spiritual gifts to share with one another. We can't exercise those on, on, on live streaming from the pastor's living room. I hope it never comes necessary again. I'm not planning on it coming necessary again. But we share together. That's how we grow. And we learn. And we become more like Christ. And that's, that's what the pastors to do, I believe. Feed the sheep. And by the way, the flock is not mine. It is his. You see what, can you read for me what that pronoun says? Hmm. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. I'm simply the under shepherd. Whoever pastors here, pastor away before me, Myself, whoever follows us, if the Lord tarries, we're just under shepherds. And interesting though, the first day was feed my lambs in 16 and 15, 16, 17, feed my sheep. The lambs are the young, perhaps the more innocent ones, if you will, the gentleness. And the sheep are the older ones. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, now, pastors called to do a lot of different things, officiate at weddings and funerals and, and meetings and mission meetings, etc. And, and keep contact with missionaries and, and, and do all these different things and visit, etc. But the primary job of the painter is to paint. The accountant is to work with numbers. The carpenter is to build things. The primary job of the minister, I think, is to preach the gospel and share with you what God has laid upon his heart so that we might together serve the Lord and keep the church directed as God would have done. So second command is to feed my sheep. Shepherd, tend, if you would, in 16, to act as a shepherd, to governing and tending the flock. You want to know what man says? What the minister who loves Jesus Christ, he will be the one who's very concerned about governing the flock in the true, pure ways of God. A spiritual leader loves the Lord will be one who is not given to the emotional or irrational, but to the biblical. He will move the flock in, in the ways of God. That's why I come back. We spent the first two Wednesday nights on sufficiency of Scripture, the truth of God's Word, a spiritual warfare. What is it? You have got to find it here. Not in emotionally driven and non-biblically based activities, etc. By the way, did you have any spiritual warfare this week in your life? This pastor, no. What is that spiritual warfare? It's it's your old man and the spirit of God, and there's that angst between them. Uh, what would that look like? Not cursing when you're about ready to do. If you cursed, you gave in. If you didn't. You, you were, that's the warfare. It's not looking at that video, that TikTok, that whatever it is you're watching, reading that book, looking at that magazine, saying those words, those evil thoughts. It's that, that's spiritual warfare. 
That's what it is. It is not going to somewhere and casting some demonic spirit. And some churches in the South, especially, they go up and have deliverance meetings where they go and they vomit into trash cans to spew the demonic spirit out of their bodies. Where do we find that? How can you with a physical activity throw out a spiritual thing? That's how far we get adrift. Gullibility, Sunday school. Come Wednesday night, we'll talk about more. Wednesday. Third command. Feed my sheep. Not by Peter, by the way, has this down because at, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he Peter remembers this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, I think it is. He says, Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. They were to feed the flock of God. Peter did not forget that. You are to feed my lambs. You are to feed my sheep. You are to feed my sheep, Peter. That's what I want you to do. Peter's friend restores Peter to service. And in Peter's future, as we close, just a few moments, you see one, a one of sacrifice in verse 18, 21, 18, back over John 21, 18. Verily, verily, I say unto you, when thou wast young and thou girdest thyself and walkest, walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, and thou shalt stretch forth, thy hand, stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. When a sacrifice, someone has said, Son of the living God, O call us once again to follow thee, and give us strength whatever befall us, thy true disciples still to be. One pastor said, very well known pastor, he's, he's passed on, he said, the battle did not begin in my life until I became a Christian. And then there's that warfare. The sacrifice, it's one of service. Peter focused, and for the next three decades, Peter faithfully served the Lord, uh, the one he loved. He was, he was really the apostle to the Jews in the first 12 chapters of Acts. Peter got on fire, served the Lord till he was crucified, we believe, upside down. Today we substituted belief for personal belief creedal belief instead of personal belief. And that's why so many people are devoted to causes, but not to Jesus. Not to Jesus. My Jesus, I love you, the songwriter said. And there's also one of surrender. Verse 19, follow me. Don't look, it's interesting, the whole verse, I find it interesting. Verse 20 is a John telling who he's talking about. Then Peter turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, following which he had leaned upon the breast at supper and had said, which is, that betray, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing that disciple, instead of saying, Peter saw John. He says all of that. And Jesus said, listen, don't worry about that. You follow me. Pastor, we get, look, all these, there's so many people who need to get in line. So many people who just are doing the wrong thing. Okay, what about you? Follow me. Do you think God's not able to take care of all those things? He is. The greatest, perhaps, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Think about all the Christians of all the last 2,000 years. The books they could write about how God has blessed them. I suppose that all the books in all the world could not contain all that God has done for all His children through the church age alone. What an amazing thing. Do you love him? Has your fire for Christ sort of sort of like dwindled? Pastor went to visit a guy, a church member hadn't been there for a long time. And he walked in and there's a big roaring fire in the fireplace and the pastor sat down, did not say a word. They were enjoying the fire together. And the pastor a little bit later 
went over and took some tongs and took a very fiery coal, took it off the fire, and put it down out on the hearth there, sat back down. Wasn't very long, that burning coal started getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and there was no fire at all. The host was watching it all. A little bit later, the pastor went over, grabbed it, put it back on the fire, and whew, wasn't long at all before that little coal got fired up again and was burning bright. The pastor got up and walked to the door, and the, the host said, Pastor, I'll see you Sunday morning. Amen. Message received. <laughs> Message received. Napoleon, I just read it this past week. I also read it to my wife. They had such a deep love for Emperor Napoleon. The French soldiers were that often, right, they were mortally wounded. And the last thing they would say, I can't say it in French, it would be something like, long live the emperor. And if they could look and he was close enough, they would be up on there and they'd, long live the emperor and they would die. Perhaps the most eloquent expression of all was, however, the lips of a soldier who had been shot in the chest. And as the surgeon was attempting to remove the bullet, the suffering man was heard to whisper, if you go much deeper, doctor, you'll come to the emperor. If you go much deeper, you're going to come to my savior. And that should be me, and that should be you. When they look inside us, they should see that we love our God. Not that we're perfect, but that we have a love for our Savior. I'm asking you this morning, lovest thou him more than these? Let's pray. Lord, I want my love to you to be rekindled daily basis that we will strive to see you in all your glory that we will not get cold, lose our first love. If we've lost that first love, may we regain it. Lord, may our love for you be so powerful that every other love is, as the Bible says, as if it were hate even by comparison, not that we're to hate. So Lord, if, if we've lost that, may we get it back. If we just let our Christian life just sort of be go home and hum, forgive us, maybe confess that. That's not the Christian way. Take up your cross daily follow him. So Lord, if there's a need in hearts, perhaps Lord, there's even a person who's never truly trusted Christ as Savior and they've heard the message today and you've spoken and there's that crushing feeling in their spirit and they know they need to respond. Lord, please don't let them put it off. May they come today. Heavenly Father, work in our hearts and lives, please. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand with me, please.